Well, tonight we're going to finish this little series on the qualities mentioned in Second Peter chapter 1. I hope you find this little series uh, to be useful. It has been helpful for me to think about the things that we're to cultivate and grow in as believers. Uh, tonight we're putting two qualities together again, just as we did last week. Uh, we're thinking about brotherly affection and love. Uh, let's, let, let's do what we've done uh, throughout this series, and let's read the list that Peter gives us in 2 Peter chapter 1. So it's verses 5 to 7. It's on the screen uh, as well for us. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So, thinking about these final two qualities, uh, we're going to talk about them both briefly, and then just want to sum this series up. Uh, first of all, uh, brotherly affection. Uh, in English translations, two words are used, brotherly affection. But in the original Greek, there is just one word, and it's the word Philadelphia. Now, we're not talking about the cheese, the stuff that you use to make a cheesecake. In Greek, the word Philadelphia is a common term for relationships within the family unit. Uh, the New Testament is the only place where the word has been found outside the context of a home. But it's really that sense of, of being a family unit. And in using this word, Peter is saying that Christian believers are like family members. Uh, it would have been a shock to first century readers, and it's perhaps a little bit of a shock to us as well. Uh, you're probably familiar with the phrase, blood is thicker than water. Uh, it's that English proverb that means that familial bond, bonds will always be stronger than other relationships. But the Bible teaches something slightly different. It teaches us that our bonds in Christ are stronger than the bonds in our familial relationships. Uh, it's a very good example of this uh, in Mark's Gospel. So in Mark 3, Jesus' mother and brothers try to seize him and take him away from the crowds. Uh, Jesus is told that his family are outside and Mark records this. He says that Jesus said, who are my, my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, Jesus doesn't sever his relationship with his earthly family, but he does emphasize the priority of the community of faith. The church is the core family of God and were to show brotherly affection towards each other. Now, 2 Peter was, of course, written in the shadow of Peter's denial of Jesus and his restoration by Jesus. He was, of course, the recipient of Jesus' brotherly affection that morning on the beach after the resurrection. After being wounded by Peter's three denials, Jesus shared a meal with him, and they remained brothers, and they remained family. And we are now called to do the same thing. The way, in the same way that Jesus restored Peter, so we are to restore relationships that are broken with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So when a brother and sister in Christ fails us, will we run in the opposite direction when they seek restoration? Will we determine to hold on to, onto the hurt in case that we need it as leverage for later on? Or will we exhibit the mark of brotherly affection? Our affections for others must be warmed by our own experience of Christ's love for us. So that's bro bro brotherly affection. Uh, the final word in this little set is love. And love is often the jewel in the crown of any of these kinds of lists. Now the word that Peter uses here is agape. 
Uh, there's no particular sequence in this list, but there is an undoubted sense of climax as Peter puts love last. It's the highest Christian characteristic. Uh, love is marked by its indiscriminate and deliberate habit of, of loving not just brothers and sisters, but those outside the family circle too. It's a very good description of the love that God has for us. Indiscriminate and deliberate, he has a habit of loving sinners. It's as Jesus once said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To, to, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away from your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Just as God has loved his enemies through the cross, so we are to love others as well. So that's brotherly affection and love, and love is really the, the, the crowning jewel in this little list. Altogether, we have seven characteristics here, seven Christian characteristics that we're to chase after and grow in. No Christian can ever claim to have arrived as a model believer. And actually, one of the hallmarks of Christian maturity is a growing dissatisfaction with our level of godliness. That sense that we're not quite where we should be and that the Lord has more work to do in our hearts. That sense of dissatisfaction shouldn't make us despair. It should make us aim to possess these qualities in increasing measure. In the verses that follow this list, Peter emphasizes that, that growing in these graces is our responsibility. In some ways, verses 5 to 7 are a roadmap for life. If we live out and apply these verses to our lives, we will find our way home, our home in heaven. It's interesting to see that Peter, what Peter writes as he finishes the section off. He finishes this section off uh, by making an appeal. So just look down at verses 10 to 11. He says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, the qualities in verses 5 to 7, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Imagine gaining entrance into the eternal home of the one we have failed so miserably. doesn't get any better than that. Getting there, though, demands diligence, repentance, and walking in the way that Peter is showing us. Satan would have us think that, uh, would have every Christian think that there's no way back to a vibrant relationship with God once we've fallen and failed. But what Peter tells us is this. He says, that's not true. Don't believe it. I feel and I'm going to finish well. You can do that too. God has already given you everything that you need. You have everything you need for life and godliness in this world. Start walking down the path of obedience again and take care to arrive safely. So those are the seven qualities that will keep us from falling. Let's pray that the Lord would help us to chase after these things and that they would be evident in our lives. Let's pray for a moment together. Father, we're thankful for your word to us and we're thankful for your calling on our lives once we've trusted in the Lord Jesus. We realize that we can't achieve or attain any of these things without first having faith in you. But we pray that these qualities, the qualities that Peter mentions here, 
would be evident in our lives and that we would chase after them, run after them and get to know you better. We pray that our lives would be marked by virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection and most of all the, the crowning jewel, love itself. We pray that you would help us by your spirit to become more like Christ and that we would look to you for help in these areas, in these days. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.